What's up, fam? Thank you so much for coming back to the Brown Girl White Coat Podcast. It means so much to me that you guys chose to listen to this episode today. I have a super, super amazing, fun, and special episode in the works. And I really wanted to have my brother on. He has an amazing story. My brother's name is Abdullah Al-Naji or Abdullah Al-Naji. He will go by Abdul. He is a year and a half younger than me. And we are pretty much best friends. And we went through a lot together growing up. He's also in medical school. So I think his story is going to be super inspiring and I'm so proud of him and he's also a source of inspiration for me when it comes to fitness which you guys will get to hear all about. So we're just going to talk a little bit about our history, our childhood, our journey to medicine and then touch on mental health and fitness in medical school. I am so excited to have you guys here today. I am so happy you chose to listen to this episode and I hope you guys enjoy it. All right, everybody, welcome back. Today, I have a really special guest, as I was telling you in the intro. We have my brother with me today. This is Abdullah Al-Naji. I'm going to go ahead and let him introduce himself to you guys. Hi, everyone. Uh, first of all, thank you, Alia, for letting me come on to your podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, so my name is uh, Abdullah Al-Naji, but a lot of people like to call me Abdul, like especially like non-Arabs, because it's just easy for them. So Abdullah Al-Naji is my full name. I'm a second year osteopathic medical student. I've kind of wanted to do medicine since after I graduated high school. So it's been a thing that I wanted to do for a long time. Fun fact about me is uh, when I was in high school and early uh, or late middle school, I used to love to skateboard a lot. And I still like to do it from time to time nowadays. I feel like I'm getting a little old, so it's not like it used to be. <laughs> You're not and old. Uh, also... <laughs> Hey, I feel old. My bones feel old. (laughs) Um, And another fun fact is I love playing video games and uh, especially a video game called Super Smash Brothers, one of my favorites. Awesome. So it's funny asking my brother these questions because I literally know all the answers. But of course, you guys did not get a chance to meet him. So I'm really excited that you guys are going to get to Mm -hmm. chat with him today. So we're going to go ahead and keep with the tradition of the podcast. And we're going to talk about uh, one of our favorite segments that size started and that's the highs and lows. So what would you say is your high in your life right now? Or would you rather start with lows and end on a positive note? Yeah, I'll probably start with low first. So (laughs) um, now I don't want anyone to get discouraged when I say this, but definitely one of my biggest lows was my first semester of medical school. Mm -hmm. Now, this should I'm not saying this to discourage anyone into going into medicine. It's just telling you, you know, the fact of what happened with me. When I first got into um, medical school, I I knew it was going to be hard, but I never anticipated it was going to be as hard as it actually ended up being. Mm-hmm. And uh, for me, the adjustment period was just a lot to handle. And I wasn't taking care of my mental health. So like, for example, I wouldn't, I wouldn't cook regular meals for myself. I would eat out a lot. I would uh, get maybe six, five hours of sleep every night. So it was like all those things put together just made a, a bad situation worse. I started spiraling. And yeah. I never knew what people meant when they said they're going... Uh, either spiraling or any, you know, but I, I figured out what that meant the first wow. first year of uh, medical school. Like I started spiraling worse and worse. And as, and the more I tried to like get a grasp on it, I felt like I had less control. 
but eventually you find your way. And there's a lot of things, and we can discuss those later on, a lot of things that helped me cope with it. Yeah. And ended up uh, being able to adjust really well, which right now, like as a second year, I feel much better. I, I don't, I don't get, I don't feel depressed often. I feel pretty happy most of the time. And we can discuss that later on. Alhamdulillah, that's awesome. Um, good. So then give us your highs. Let's, let's uh, finish that on a good note. Yeah. So I'm sure like, you know, hopefully the best moment has yet to come. But if I were to say like my favorite, like, or like my favorite period of my life so far, I would have to say back in high school, the skater days, skate culture, this is one of the, this is one of the best cultures, honestly, like I love skate culture. Yeah. Uh, daily, I would, uh, you know, I would stay out super late skating. But, but yeah, I would say like definitely skater days are probably uh, uh, the most memorable for me and the best times I had. That's awesome. And I definitely remember those times in your life. You really loved skateboarding, uh, even though you broke your foot once. <laughs> skateboarding. But um, yeah, yeah, yeah. or what would you say is your high currently oh, right. in your life? The highlight? I, I would probably say my highlight right now. There's not much going on other than like a lot of studying. So other than that, I would say maybe <laughs> the high would be my gym routine. Like, yeah. uh, you yes. know, I have a pretty stable gym routine and that it brings me a lot of comfort you know mm-hmm. uh, it's actually one of the things that helped me get through the uh uh you know the mental health issues and stuff that i was yeah. going through the first uh semester of medical school i think that's one of the so biggest things say, you're proud of for sure because it was one thing you were able yeah. to hold on tightly to yeah and then the thing is uh, the reason i was kind of able to hold on tightly to it and anyone that's going into any career or any um program that's very uh you know, that, that has, a, you know, a lot of uh, hours, you know, that you have to put in, I would, I would definitely advise getting this routine together before you go into this program. And we're definitely going to be touching on fitness. This is one of the big reasons I wanted my brother on here, because he's kind of one of the biggest inspirations to me and why I keep, you know, trying to stick back to the gym. So we'll definitely be touching on this later. The next segment that Sai started on the podcast is your favorite current product right now. For sure. Yeah, that, I would definitely recommend everyone to get an air fryer. The brand that I have is Emerald. <laughs> You're so proud yeah. of that air fryer. <laughs> I am. So I use it every day. It, uh, it makes the food, t- like it doesn't taste 100% like the food's fried, but it tastes pretty close. Even like, if, like I don't eat much French fries, but I have made it once mm-hmm. in there and it tastes pretty close to real French fries. Yeah, so I'd highly recommend if you have never tried an air fryer, get one. You know, it's a lot healthier. You don't have mm-hmm. to put any oil in it. The air fryers are becoming yeah. a trend now, for sure. All right, guys. So that was our little uh, segments, just to get warmed up a little bit and start chatting. But I think uh, the best way to start this podcast episode is to kind of go back to our roots. Because again, this is my brother. If I haven't said it for the fifth time, count every time I say this is my brother. (laughs) So let's talk a little bit um, about our history, kind of our childhood and our experiences and how they ended up getting us to where we are now. So we both are Arab Americans, first generation. Uh, Our parents immigrated here from Jordan in the Middle East in the early 90s. And we grew up in very rural Florida. We were a part of a very white community. So there wasn't a lot of people that looked like us. 
but we made it work. And I think the biggest thing that helped us survive was that we as siblings, because we also have three other siblings, Omar, Ali, and Ola, so two brothers and a sister. And we were all best friends. And we were pretty much each other's friends growing up because I mean, I will say Abdullah was pretty popular. <laughs> I wasn't. <laughs> I wasn't. Uh, very, don't say that. I was not very popular <laughs> in middle school, especially middle school. Uh, high school got a little bit better, but I still wasn't like a hot shot. But everyone liked Abdullah, of course. Ah, <laughs> so, uh, stop it. <laughs> so, how would you say our childhood went, and if you think it contributed to where we are now? Uh, I definitely think it did influence 100% who we are today. I'll speak for myself though. Um, you know, we grew up in an area that was predominantly white. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's obviously not a bad thing, but when you have a community that's predominantly white, typically you'll find, you know, a lot of ignorance because they obviously are not exposed to many other people. Yes. You know, so there was a lot of ignorance for sure when I was growing up and especially I felt it in elementary school and middle school because that was pretty close to the time 9-11 happened. Yes. So like, I definitely started to feel people changing after that. But also I think as people grow too, that could have contributed to why they were also changing, not just because 9-11 happened, but that's when I started to feel the ignorance and certain uh, comments would come out and, and slurs and things like that. But then eventually that brings me back a little bit to skate culture, that, none of that matters in skate culture. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That's kind of one of the reasons why I felt maybe that was one of the highlights of my life, you know? Yeah. Uh, and, and every, like, honestly, I'm not even going to lie. Every couple days, if not every day, I do think about, man, I wish I could return to that. Yeah. You know, growing up in an area that was predominantly white does have, does have some uh, drawbacks because, you know, the ignorance, they just haven't been exposed to other races. So, you know. Yeah. But yeah, so I think that definitely did mold me in Mm -hmm. some way. I agree also because actually one of the biggest things that I wrote about in my personal statement is my childhood and growing up um, in a predominantly white town. Again, like Abdullah said, it's not that we're saying this is a bad thing. It's just that because or because they haven't been exposed to tons of culture and diversity, they just don't understand us and that's where a lot of the inherent racism comes from. Sometimes, I mean, we had neighbors. I mean, I remember one of our neighbors, she was so amazing. And, you know, there are people that genuinely try to understand us. And we had, you know, white friends growing up most of the time. So those people understood us and always tried, you know, to be there. And I remember my childhood best friend is Kristen. I hope she's listening. Uh, We've been best Mm -hmm. friends since second grade. Growing up, she just was unwavering in the friendship, even though, you know, she kind of got a little bit of flack for hanging out with the brown girl. So Mm -hmm. uh, it's it's really nice. And I do agree with Abdullah about the skate culture. I did see he had like a a mini family with that. But yeah, I I think, you know, I I talked about this in in interviews a lot, is that one of the biggest driving forces to medicine, obviously, is the interest in science was just obvious. But also because when we were going to doctors and hospitals and things, we didn't really see ourselves represented a lot. And I, I mean, I can't speak for Abdullah, but I can speak for myself. Like, I didn't see an Arab woman represented just growing up in general. I didn't really see that. So that was a big driving force for me to become public. And I think that's why I started social media. And I especially wanted to be Mm -hmm. on this podcast and things like that, because I want people to see that people like me exist. But 
also we do come from a little bit of a disadvantaged background again because our parents are immigrants so they didn't really speak i mean they speak perfect english now but they couldn't really teach us what we were learning in school um besides being just a source of moral support we kind of had to figure it out on our own a lot of it was a trial and error especially for me <laughs> and yeah honestly if it wasn't if it wasn't for you i know i'd be struggling and you know i i'm sure a lot of my of my friends in medical school right now are so annoyed with the amount of times i'm like oh my sister told me this my sister told me that because 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 the thing is in reality a lot of the things that i know now and even before like, getting into med school like a lot of the things that i had to do to get into med school like you you were always on top of being like did you do your research yeah uh, yeah i'm getting that together you know you you were talking to me about that in the beginning of undergrad like you were getting me on track and mm-hmm. uh yeah i definitely did appreciate that 100% mm-hmm. you know i will say because i the reason i said this to him is because when i started college I literally thought college meant you just sign up to be a doctor. That was it. Like I didn't know that there's this whole undergrad thing in the MCAT and research and, and volunteering. Mm-hmm. This was like right when I was starting freshman year. Because again, I grew up in r- rural Florida, so I never really ever had a mentor or a guidance counselor, anyone to tell me like this is what you got to do to get to med school. So I literally went to college about like 45 minutes away from the town that we grew up in. and that's when i started figuring out like oh i have to do all of this stuff so i didn't start research until third year of college so i don't know if that hurt me i mean i guess it didn't i'm here now but i figured like oh i started a lot of stuff later because i waited until i ended up transferring to university because i did two years at a community college first so that's how i started telling him like hey look i didn't start studying for the mcat until this i didn't start doing research until this like you need to learn from that and don't make that same mistake but also like abdullah did have me um he still had to figure out a lot of his own stuff too but i'm sure that i will give myself the credit that you know i had to no i 100% know. i'll give you credit like <laughs> you like you like there's no doubt about it you made um undergrad a lot easier for me uh you even advised me what professors to avoid yeah <laughs> You know what I mean? Don't take yeah. the professor. Don't Yeah, don't, don't take this professor, professor for orgo. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, exactly. You used to you used to advise me a lot of things. Um obviously the MCAT's a beast, so everyone has to tackle that yeah. in their own way a little bit. I mean, you yeah. can listen to advice from people, but the MCAT was a beast. I I know that I studied differently for it than you did. Yes. So, I yeah, that was probably the only thing where I had mm-hmm. to tackle on my own, but everything mm-hmm. else I felt like you were there. Yeah. Oh. Something. <laughs> if you guys could if you guys could see us right now on Zoom recording, we were making we always make weird faces. It's like a thing whenever we FaceTime almost every day or we FaceTime at least every other day, and it's so funny cuz yeah. like we have this like little thing when we answer FaceTime, we have to have the ugliest face possible. Like <laughs> and, and the winner the winner is the one that holds the ugliest face yeah. longer without laughing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So we have to answer hold the ugly face and then we have to keep holding it and whoever breaks first loses. Yeah, usually I think it's I think it's me that loses most yeah, of the time. Yeah, yeah, it is. I think it yeah. is me that loses. I think it's because you guys do not you will not believe how ugly I can look with my with my, <laughs> with my ugly face. Uh I don't agree with that. 100%. Yeah, honestly you'd be surprised. No, don't do that. <laughs> yeah, I just made another uh, quiz. Anyways, so yeah. my question for you is that 
because we had to figure out a lot of it on our own. And even though, you know, I was kind of doing that and then you were following suit, mm-hmm. we still never had resources. We, they never even told me about dual enrollment. I mean, I had no idea of all the opportunities and resources I could have. I remember the only thing they ever told us about was Bright Futures. So we didn't really have a lot yeah. of resources. And I think the biggest thing is we were first generation students. So we had to figure out a lot of it on our own. But would you say that our background provided a lot of obstacles that were unfair or that anyone with any kind of background can make it? And if they can make it, why do you think they can? So you said that since we're first generation, we never had our parents able to tell us about, oh, make sure you do dual enrollment when you get to a 10th grade or whatever. We never exactly. had that. That's why That's why our little sister now, she's in dual enrollment because we knew about it mm-hmm. and we were able to tell her. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there's definitely disadvantages there. Like our parents didn't really know how most of the education system works here. So yeah, that definitely was a disadvantage in, in a way, not, not to, to a certain extent, you know, but I'm a very strong believer of two things. I have to preface what I'm about to say second with what I'm about to say now. I definitely do think that there are disadvantaged people and there's people that uh, just certain things in their life makes them, it makes it very hard for them to get to a, to a point of success, I, I would call it. But I still do believe that with very hard work, you know, and perseverance that you, you can, you can achieve what you want as long as you have a true passion for it. Because I noticed like usually you know, nine times out of 10, if I really want something and I put my mind to it, I, I get pretty close, you know, maybe I don't, uh, yeah, maybe I don't do perfect, but I get pretty close to what I want, you know? Yeah. Whereas if I don't have like any motivation for something, it doesn't matter if I'm privileged or underprivileged, I'm not going to achieve it if I have no motivation for it. So I think to some extent, definitely uh, a lot of people are underprivileged, either it's, it's financial, maybe it's their environment is, is uh, you know, their environment forces mm-hmm. them to be a person that maybe can't pursue this type of career. You know what I mean? Yeah. Do you think that there are people that are qualified that genuinely do not have the resources to make it here in the States? Oh, yeah. Yeah, right? Oh, yeah. I, th- I, th- I think so, yeah. I, for example, like let's say you have to work a full-time job. That guy already is not going to be able to get a GPA that's mm-hmm. higher than, you know, someone that maybe is also equally motivated. Yes. But but they don't have to work full time. Yes. You know, and, and not just GPA, MCAT score as well. Like MCAT, I'm, I was very thankful that, you know, even though we're not like well off or anything, like our parents are not, aren't super well off, but um, I was able to take time off to study for the MCAT. Some people cannot. Yes. So yes. I'm sure the people who, who can't take time off, I'm sure that they're, you know, under, <laughs> you would consider them under, yeah, you consider them underprivileged for sure. Mm-hmm. I, I actually completely agree with that. So I do believe that, you know, we did come from a little bit of a disadvantaged background, but we also have to be very responsible and realize that we also have, even us, a little bit of privilege, right? Because mm-hmm. I'll tell you multiple times that I had resources that other people in more disadvantaged communities don't have. And again, our families are not well off. So it's... Yeah. That just shows that like there's people even worse off that have yeah. the brain and the talent and the motivation, but they literally can't make it because I think of all the yeah. opportunities 
One of them being the MCAT. Again, just like Abdullah, I was able to stay at home for three months without having to work. My dad let me just stay at home. That's very common in Arab households, I will say. It's not very yeah, common. I so. Yeah, I mean, it's it's not you know, taboo to stay at your parents' house for free. <laughs> it's just very normal in our, it's very normal, but I know that's not the case for everyone. So we're trying to be very mindful here. But, you know, I was able to stay at home for three months. I didn't have to work. I was just focusing on doing nothing besides studying for the MCAT. Also, for when I did study for the MCAT, all my family chipped in to buy me the Kaplan course. And everyone knows the Kaplan course is extremely expensive. Oh, yeah, yeah. I so, remember that. Yes. You guys did the same thing for me. Yes. And then when, when Abdullah took the MCAT, we all chipped in my mom, my dad, my other siblings, and we all got him the course as well. And not yeah. saying that you need the course to succeed, but that just shows that like me being able to provide this resource for myself uh, through my parents or my family is privilege, even though we do come from a disadvantaged background. So there are families out there with super talented, smart, you know, motivated individuals who literally not fund their children's education. Um, and then, and then honestly, the, one of the biggest things I think of is just the application process in medical school. We both went broke. <laughs> so, oh yeah. All right. I, I, anyway, let me cut, cut in real quick. Is that all right? Yeah, yeah, sure. Go ahead. Yeah. yeah. Um, w when you say not well off, I, I, I understand what you mean because, you know, um, we have the same family. We were never, <laughs> yeah, we have the same family. So I know what you mean by that, but just to the viewers, uh, definitely, I wouldn't put our family under the poverty line or anything like that, you know, but I would definitely put them like, you know, lower middle class. So like, it was it was just one of those things where we never we always had to budget a little bit. Yeah. And when we were when we were young, we obviously would, we, we would have to keep uh, in consideration that our parents are budgeting, we couldn't just go and buy whatever we wanted. So that's what we mean by um, not well off. Exactly. So because you have definitely Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, it's okay. Yeah. And that's what I was kind of hinting at when I said like, we are still, we have to acknowledge our privilege. Although there are immigrant families that are actually very high class, like in terms of like socioeconomic status, but we're not those kind of immigrants, but you mm -hmm. know, we were able to have all our needs met, uh, but we never really had, you know, a surplus of money where we could just like throw yeah. it at our education. And I think one of the biggest things is when we got accepted to medical school and we had to pay all those application fees and especially that $2,000 deposit, yeah. that, that was not something that our family could just hand us in cash. So it was very difficult. And I don't know how we could have done it if we didn't have that little bit of privilege. I don't know how we could have gotten in. And so there's people that literally can't do yeah. it. There's literally people sure. that there's, there's no, there's not a family that can actually give them those, that $2,000 to apply or whatever. So I understand that there's a little bit of controversy when it comes to public funding of education. And we're really not going to touch on the, the policy of that, but that just shows that like, it's not completely equal opportunity. Um, and that's why we're both talking about this today is because I want people to know, like, yes, there's hope you can make it especially as a disadvantaged student, but that we also acknowledge that it's a little bit condescending to say anyone can make it if you work hard because there's genuinely people that can't do it financially. And you said it, you made a really good point. Like if a, if a student has to work full-time to provide for their family or help their family, how do you expect them to get like a 3.7 or higher GPA in, in college? How do you expect them to sit there and get, you know, a 515 or higher on the MCAT? So these are I'm things- I'm sure they can. It just, it will just be a lot harder. I'm sure they right. could- but exactly. it'd be a lot harder. and then and then you have to add in all the other things that you're not considering too. yes mental health because when you're working full-time yeah and then you're having to study full-time 
and you have no free time, then what's happening to your mental health at that point? And if your mental health is deteriorating, are you going to be able to continue going? Yes. And, 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 and you know, so it's, it's like, it's more than one factor, obviously. It's, it's a lot of different factors that play into it. That's but so true. I, I didn't even think, think about the mental but, health component. That's a whole nother beast. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I think also you touching on mental health and making it in medicine is a really good place to segue into the next topic I want to discuss with you. And we kind of touched on it earlier in the episode, but this is something Mm. I really wanted you to talk about. And one of the biggest reasons I wanted to bring you on. So it's not favoritism Mm. that I wanted my brother to film an episode. It's because he really has a good story to share with you guys. And it's something that requires a lot of bravery, especially as an Arab man. There's a lot of pride when it comes to talking about mental health. And so he's been very open about discussing his journey in his first year of medical school and how it was a little bit of a struggle for him but alhamdulillah which means thank god he was able to (laughs) he was able to you know come out on top and like you know knock on wood he's doing great and i want him to just share a little bit of how what happened first of all i think is that we definitely need to throw in that story about my board exam (laughs) and then um you know just uh tell us about your experience all right. So, yeah, I, I think I already touched on a little bit of the mental health uh, that I went went through in the first semester of med school. And I, I do think that many students do go through something similar. Maybe I don't know. I, you know, obviously, I can't quantify how other people felt, but I can say for myself that it was definitely a hard time that I went through. And I know that other students did kind of verbalize that they were going through something similar. But, yeah, the, the adjustment period in the beginning of med school was very tough. Uh, and like I said earlier, like, it's kind of like a spiral, you go down this spiral and where you're not eating enough, where you're not eating healthy foods, Mm -hmm. where you're not getting enough sleep, where you're thinking a lot of negative thoughts, where you're not giving yourself enough breaks. That's another thing. Right now I take some fat breaks. Any friend of mine (laughs) in med school right now knows I take fat breaks. Yeah. We have to study long hours. What the fun? For the pop culture, what's a fat break? <laughs> oh, like it's a like a really big break. Like okay, for example, I'll study, I'll study hard. When I study, I study hard. So I'll go like, I'll throw my phone on my bed, close the door in my bedroom, and then I I usually study on the dining room table in my living room. And what I'll do is I'll 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 study for long hours. Like I'll study maybe in one hour, take a ten minute break. One hour, take a ten minute break. And so I'll study like two or three hours. And then after those two hours or three hours, I'll take a fat break. And what that is, is like a two hour break. (laughs) Yeah, I take fat breaks. And I like uh, what I'll do is sometimes I'll go shopping. I'll do whatever I need to do. I love shopping, by the way. I I feel like it's a little therapeutic. Yeah, I like shopping. Uh, I'll either like maybe watch a show. Like I love Mm -hmm. I love watching anime. That's another fun fact. (laughs) Plug your favorite anime. Uh, my favorite anime is probably definitely My Hero Academia. Um, and then Naruto is probably catching up because I, I started Naruto recently. So that's mm. probably catching up. But I do make sure I get adequate studying in most days. Some days like right after a test, like right now, I'm right after an exam. So today I'm going to take it a little easy. So yeah. I give myself like good breaks. And am I scoring like top marks? Like am I doing the best, getting the best grades in medical school? Uh, I probably not I'm, but I'm definitely passing and I'm doing more than pass I'm doing yeah. better now than I was doing the first semester and my grades then were you know where I would say like a BC average you know BC yeah now it's more like a B and uh, some A's you know so like it's it, it got better wow as I started you know it got better as I started taking care of my mental health and 
I do think like just taking those breaks, eating, uh, and every day I cook for myself. I'm always cooking for myself every day. I take multivitamins. I make sure like nutrition is good. Mm, I, 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 st I still go to the gym. You know, I go to the gym at least five, six times a week. Yeah, and I think a lot of those like contributed and helped me with my mental mm -hmm. health. But I'll tell you a little bit about the actual story since you want to know the, what I was actually feeling, right? Is that mm -hmm. kind of why you asked the question? Yes. Okay, so yeah, so a little bit of what I was feeling uh, the actual feelings were like, uh, like kind of like hopeless. I would feel like hopeless. I would, I, I would always uh, start contemplating whether I made the right choice to go into medicine because my whole, you know, since after high school, all I wanted to do was medicine, right? Yeah. So my life revolved around medicine. Like, like all of my life was medicine from high school up until I finally got accepted to med school. So then when you start, you get hit with that first semester and it starts to make you rethink everything, it, it really takes a toll because you're like, well, did I just waste my, my last four years of my life? Yeah. You know, and, and not just that, not just that, it makes you feel like, like, am I not good enough to complete this? Am I, maybe I'm not cut out for this. It makes you start to doubt, mm -hmm. you know, like w whenever you hear people talk to you about like depression and anxiety, it kind of gives you an idea of what those kind of might feel like. So when I actually went through what I would classify as like depression, I kind of knew what people were talking about, you know, yeah. I, I, and I, I was pretty sure that's what they, they meant when they said depression is what I was going through. So like, you'd kind of feel like hopeless, you'd wake up in the morning and you would get, make yourself do things out of, you know, out of like more like just routine, as opposed to you actually having the motivation to do anything. I felt like I lost motivation to do anything. I, I, you know, I wouldn't eat much. I would eat unhealthy, but I wouldn't eat much. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, I and uh, I would cry a lot. Like whenever I would be going to bed, sometimes I would just like be laying there and I'll just, uh, and it wasn't even like, like a, a loud cry or anything like that. It would just be like, my tears would just start running Aww. and it was emotional tears. Yeah. Like I'd be laying in bed and my tears would just start running. And obviously I think this was just because of the adjustment. Real men uh, cry. Every, uh, every, everybody cries. I, it just, some people hide it, you know? Yeah. And, and the thing is, most people won't cry when you're going through a really good period of your life, but everyone's going to have hardships in their life and men and women are all going to cry. Everyone's going to cry, you know? <laughs> yes, yes. That, that's, how, that's how we show emotion. It's, it's very normal. But yeah, it would just like uh, my tears would just start running. So then I knew like, oh, okay, I'm definitely going through something like this isn't wow. normal. You know, like uh, I would just start crying randomly. I, I would have very little motivation when I'm studying. I would be completely not there. So that's why I'm, I'm another reason I say fat breaks is great because it kind of resets you and lets you focus when you do go back to study. Yeah. You know, whenever uh, the first semester, I wouldn't take no breaks because I thought if I took a break, that would be me, me, me missing like study time, precious study time that I needed. So, so yeah, like when I actually started, when I actually started taking care of it, my mental health, uh, everything changed. Wow, that's amazing. And do you want to tell everyone about, this is, I mean, we both actually laugh at it now. And obviously as siblings, we pick on each other and we're a little bit harsher on each other, but this is not in any way, shape or form laughing at anyone that goes through mental health struggles. But, you know, we think about this day a lot when I came over, because my brother lives in Tampa Bay area, Clearwater area. So um, mm -hmm. I drove up to his place and I stayed the night right before my level one board exam. And, you know, I'm very, very stressed. 
right, you know, I had my board exam and he was right in the middle of going through this, this period of time. Yeah, yeah that was, I was honestly, um, that was a very sad, uh, I really regret what I did that day. So That's what not I did your that fault. day was. It's not your fault. I, I know, I know, I, I know it's not, uh, to some extent, but to some extent, like, here's the thing though, I could have honestly put a lid on it that day and then waited until <laughs> after you came. No, oh. no. I, uh, but, but yeah, yeah, I, uh, like, so what happened, you were, you came over because you wanted to take your test, your, your board exam, your first board, you wanted to take it in an area that was close to me because a lot of the other testing locations, if I'm correct, uh, they were too far from you. Yeah. So you said, let me stay over at your place and then yes. you'll take it at the testing location that's really close to my place. Exactly. Right? Yeah. So so what I ended up doing that day, you came over, we started chatting and then the floodgates opened. Yes. <laughs> and instead of me helping you like prepare for that exam mentally, I just spilled all of my stress out on you. <laughs> yeah. So like what I ended up... So, she, she, but the great thing is she has a board exam the next day but like what she would do she tried she comforted me she made me feel better and she did not for one moment make me feel like I was being like a burden like that I was I was burdening her with this right before her exam yeah <laughs> she never made me feel that even though now I know that I did do that <laughs> I was I did yeah. make her feel very uncomfortable I did make her feel very uncomfortable I did make her more stressed for that exam the next day the reason I'm not like that, I know if I have an exam the next day, and she knows this about me, even when I have a medical school exam the next day, people try to talk to me, people try to, you know, contact me, I'll be like, I can't talk about that right now, I have an exam tomorrow. Yeah. You know, I definitely say that's a great um, a characteristic that you have, for sure. <laughs> well, and the reason I wanted him to mention this is not for me to get a little pat, on, you know, a virtual pat on my back or anything, but it's... <laughs> But it's to just remind you guys that, first of all, if you guys knew my brother, he's one of the strongest people I know. Very happy guy. Very, you know, you guys are getting to know him a little bit right now. Super cheerful, optimistic person. He, it is not like him to be in a very dark place. It is just not his character. It's not his personality. So I knew he was going through something. And actually, we all knew. The whole family knew he was going through it. And so we were always checking in on him. And when I went to stay with him that night, you know, I figured it would be kind of like two and one. I get to spend the weekend with him, but also check on him. Um, and so when I got there, he was kind of going through it again. You know, he was going through it on and off. Like he'd have like little episodes and stuff. And yeah. that night was going, I think he kind of got a little triggered by me um, because, you know, he saw that I was doing boards and he was like, such a process like there's so so much ahead of me that I have to do for medicine I have to do a board exam one day I have to do rotations yeah. one day because I was in third year at the time doing rotations so he I think got a little overwhelmed with me kind of ranting and venting about my board exam and then he just kind of started you know the floodgates opened like he said about school and his stress but one yeah. of the reasons you can't shame people, again, I couldn't tell him in the moment, like, what you're doing is stressing me. I have an exam tomorrow because it's literally out of his hands. I mean, he, no one chooses to just start, you know, having a moment and being in a dark place and being depressed, like right in front of you and venting. You know, he was going through it. And that's why these people like your loved ones, if they're ever going through an episode like this, you 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 need to be there for them and hear yeah. them out because you will not believe how listening to people is so healing. It can really heal someone yeah. when you're there to just listen. Uh, you don't even have to offer up like 
this revolutionary advice or anything just be there for this person so you know we kind of laugh yeah. about it now uh we make jokes about it even when i took my second board exam i'm like well i'm definitely not coming to your place for my second exam so we make yeah, little jokes yeah. about it now but you know it's never it's not that we're joking about mental health it's just that you kind of have to find yeah. the lining sometimes yeah the another thing i was going to mention was the thing is about people with mental health uh that i think is also very important is they do not, and I'll tell you about myself, they do not want you to look at them in pity. Yes, yes. So when I feel like, oh man, I can't control these new emotions mm-hmm. that are coming out. <laughs> and then I feel people looking at me in a way that's that's like pity, mm-hmm. you know, that really makes things worse. Yeah. So all I think the best thing to do with someone going through something like this is listen to them, acknowledge them, Remind them of how strong they are, you know? Mm -hmm. If you're not going through something, you have no clue what Mm -hmm. it feels like. It it is legitimately out of your hands. You you do not know how to control this. These moments, though, the good thing about these moments is that they make you such a stronger person. Yes, yes. Like before, I would consider myself like, you know, a semi-strong person. But like now, I'm usually totally unfazed by things in my like like unless it's really relevant I really get unfazed by most things nowadays and I I really do attribute that to that so like anything uh, any hardship like this I feel like there's good and bad that comes out of it if you survive Mm -hmm. it you're it's definitely a lot of good that comes out of it for sure and I also want to remind people that are listening you know this is just Abdullah's personal experience and you know he's been very blessed and he has you know, he feels a lot better now. And he's developed really good coping mechanisms, as he discussed with you earlier. But I do want to remind everyone that if you are going through a really dark time, and you don't have the social or moral support that you need, to please feel free to reach out to resources in the community. There's a lot of mental health clinics in the vicinity, you can even just Google local therapist and find help. Don't be ashamed to ask for help. Don't be ashamed to reach out to those that love you as well. Uh, So although we're not, you know, in any way, shape or form trying to tell people that just cook and go to the gym and you'll feel better. That's not what this message is. Yeah, no, no, no. I'm I'm telling people, I'm telling people how I de- exactly with it. Mm-hmm. you can't really quantify how others feel. Yes. You can only say how you felt. Yeah, I can tell you I felt very bad, but but how much worse could have that uh, that feeling got? It could have been it could have got a lot worse, and I don't mm-hmm. know exactly. You but know? you know, like I said, I really wanted him to share his personal experience. Uh, also, real quick, I, um, anything that was discussed on this podcast today from me, and I'm sure Ali will tell you the same thing. It's all just our personal beliefs and experiences it has nothing to do with actual diagnosing anything you know we we we, this is uh and we're not trying to tell people uh how to treat themselves no nothing like that like this is all i guess you can call it all like anecdotal right exactly exactly if you guys ever want a story about my experience with mental health and how i kind of got out of it as well please feel free to let us know and i'd love to talk about it one day All right, so I wanna go ahead and transition to the topic of fitness and medicine. You've inspired me a lot with this topic because you were able to really stick to it in medical school and you never wavered. Um, And you're also a diehard vegan and all three of my brothers are vegan. So it's super funny because we're Arabs and we're known for loving meat and chicken and all of that. So I want you to kind of talk about 
your dedication to the gym, your whole body transformation, your commitment to veganism, and how you've been able to maintain that through medical school. Because personally for me, and I kind of touch on it here and there, and I hope to make an episode about this too, is that I've been on and off with the gym. And right now I have a good gym routine down. I've had it down for almost almost two and a half months now. But Abdullah's been on this for like, what, three years now or something? Two and a few months. Yeah, very consistent. So can you just give us some advice, your your personal experience and how you were able to stick to it and especially during medical school? Yeah, so for me, what ha- like what happened is before medical school, like I would say uh, like a year and a couple months before medical school, maybe like a year and two months before medical school, I started a gym routine. So like I, I started, obviously motivation will only take you so far though. So I started going, uh, I was pretty consistent with it. I would say like at first I would go uh, two days on one day off. So like, I would say like on average, probably like four or five days a week I would go. And, uh, I just it, like uh, the motivation helped me get into a routine. And then once the routine was solidified after that, like just the, re- just the, uh, the habit kept me going, you know, I just yeah. kept on, yeah, I just kept on going and going and, and just to let people know a little bit of background, uh, Ali knows this. I used to weigh 250 pounds. See, I actually first did a diet, which I, again, I'm not recommending diets or anything like that, but I did do a ketogenic diet, which helped me drop a lot of weight. So I dropped from 250 to 200 in a, in a matter of maybe, I would say maybe seven months or so. Maybe, yeah, about seven months, dropped about 50 pounds. So, and, and uh, you know, I felt great. But, but a ketogenic diet in the long term, I think, is not really a healthy diet. I know I'm not giving you guys a really good timeline, but I'll go ahead and try to organize it a little bit. So I went on keto when I was an undergrad, I would say probably my third year of undergrad. And I got off keto like uh, about the beginning of me being a senior. And I um, started eating carbohydrates again from when I was like a senior all the way till I would say... Uh, probably like while I'm studying for my MCAT, because I did take a gap year. So while I was studying for my MCAT, I was eating carbohydrates normally, you know, I was um, not doing ketogenic. So I was slowly gaining weight back. And I also at that moment, I still was not in a gym routine. Mm -hmm. I was not doing anything in the gym. So diet alone is great. If you want to cut weight, like I think ketogenic diet was pretty good for me to just cut weight. um, But then you need something to maintain it. Mm -hmm. You know, you need something to maintain it. So then like, um, this was a, like, I, I could talk about this next point for hours. Um, I would say maybe a year or two after like, I, or, uh, or a year after I graduated from USF, my brother uh, ended up turning vegan. He became a vegan. And this is my youngest brother, Ali. And he pretty much went on a campaign to convert all of us. Like he wanted every, he wanted all of us to become vegan. And he did it at one point. At one point, he got the whole house vegan. Yeah, he did at one point. And he even got me to be vegan at one point. And then I, I flipped back and wasn't vegan. So yeah, I became vegan. And then I rebounded and started eating meat again. And then I started transitioning the way I really wanted to, which I started eating uh, fish. I first became pescatarian and I was pescatarian for a while. Okay. And then after I was pescatarian for a while, then I transitioned to vegetarian. And then after vegetarian, um, I finally transitioned to vegan um, on my own. But Ali definitely did give me that that push in the beginning. Uh, I've been vegan for about, it's about to be two years in February, actually. 
And I know February is like a little ways away, but like in February, it'll be two years. And I think that diet is great for maintaining weight. And for maybe somebody that's, uh, you know, over like very overweight, I think it might even help you lose weight. If you eat vegan the right way and not just all carbs. If you eat it the right way. Yeah, not just all carbs and you eat like a whole uh, food plant-based diet. I think that it could really help you cut weight. Uh, it'll make you healthier in uh, general and definitely for your cardiovascular health. It's going gonna, it's gonna to improve your cardiovascular health by a lot. Um, so that's kind of like the diet uh, summed up. I, I would like it's the timeline is a lot longer than that. You know, it's, uh, it's yeah. much more complex than what I gave you. But, but it ended up helping my lifestyle, the maintenance of weight. You know, and probably one of the most important things about the gym that many people don't realize is if you go on Instagram and look at all those Instagram models, it doesn't matter if you've been working out for two years, you're going to feel like you're not doing enough. Wow. You know? Yeah. Like till now, I'm not in the shape that I want to, like, I'm not in the full shape I want to be. And I, I feel like I'm in decent shape, but I'm still working towards Mind getting you guys, in much better shape. He actually looks amazing, but I'll let him have his little moment. Yeah, I, I, I appreciate that, Anya. But like, I, I feel like, you know, it's good to always want to be better. You know, it's not yeah, a bad yeah, thing yeah. to want to be better. I mean, I'm, I'm definitely a long ways. I'm definitely a lot better off than when I was 250, no doubt. Mm-hmm. I, I, right now, I weigh 177. So I have lost a lot of weight. But yeah, I feel like I'm, I'm still not satisfied. I'm still working towards a goal that, to be honest with you, is not a clear goal. Like it's, and I, I, I do kind of attribute that to kind of like the fitness industry. The fitness industry can be a little bit, can make you feel a little hopeless at times. Like, uh, like I'm trying really hard, but I'm not seeing results. I think you will only see results if you continue to work hard at it. It, 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 it like those results that you see, a lot of them are, work super hard. Many of them put endless hours in the gym. They've been doing it for many years. So don't compare yourself to those people. And there is also a, a, like some people who will claim that they're natural, but they're taking a lot of um, enhancement drugs. So yes. you can't compare yourself to people in the fitness industry because a lot of them, they do it for a living. And some of them, they en- use enhancement drugs. So do not use that as a base. Do not look at them and say, that is my goal. Yeah. Look at yourself yesterday and tell yourself, I want to be better than what I was yesterday. And I feel that is what's been helping me get better. Wait, look at how your body is, you know, look at, look at if the body composition is changing, but always just say to yourself, I want to be better than yesterday. I agree with that. And that's, you know, you guys got a little taste of what, you know, his advice is, but this is what he's told me. I can't tell you guys the amount of times I've quit the gym. And even since I've been back in the gym now for about two and a half months, pretty consistently, there's been periods of time where I've gone like three, four, five, almost a week long without working out. And, you know, he'll tell me the same thing. Just go back. Just why, well, don't, well, why are you going to stop? Just go back. And so that's the biggest thing I think is like, you're not always going to have that motivation. You have to have the desire though. And you have to want to really be there and you have to want to be be better. You have to be like, look, I genuinely want to get my physical and cardiovascular health and musculoskeletal health in the best possible shape. And you have to have that innate desire, but you're not always going to have the motivation to get in your gym gear and leave the house, especially if you're tired after work, or if you want to do it in the morning to wake up earlier. So, you know, I worked out more at night, like, you know, seven to 9 PM ish. I think the biggest thing to take away from this is consistency. Start, 
and then get dressed and leave the house and go. And then once you do it for so long, it becomes part of your life that you incorporate it into your daily schedule. And let's say things happen in your life. You get bogged down. You don't go one day, two day, three day, four days, five days, man, even a week, just go again and keep going again and just don't Don't, stop. Don't, don't get in the habit of, uh, that's a good point you make. Cause some people, I think they quit for like three days and like, oh, that's it. I gave up. No, you didn't give up. You just took three days break. Get back to it. You know, don't all, try also not to give yourself an excuse. Mm-hmm. Um, like, let's say you didn't go yesterday. Don't let yesterday discourage yeah. you from going today. Exactly. But don't give yourself a pass today. You know, yeah. so so make that distinction because yeah. I don't want like people to think that I'm saying like, oh, be relaxed, you know, and and it's yeah. okay if you don't go one or two or three. No, I'm, I definitely think it's best to commit to a routine. Don't give an excuse for yourself that day mm-hmm. that you want to go work out, but also don't look back on the past. The past, exactly. the past, it doesn't determine, you know, it doesn't determine how you're, you're going to be in the future. But you get up yeah. right and you go. So those days that you like feel like not, not going and you want to start a routine, you're not going to get into the habit and you're not going to start a routine unless you have discipline. And you have at some point, the motivation is not going to be there pushing you and you have to push That's yourself. That's true. That is very true. So thank you for sharing that with us. Uh, I think you had a lot of good, good stuff to share with everyone. I, I hope I didn't just sound like I was rambling, but no. I, I... <laughs> well, this was more conversational. Definitely. It's um, more lax yeah. than our more, you know, professional interviews, but I did think yeah. your story and a lot of your information would be really helpful to share. So do you have any last minute words or anything you want to share with us? Where can people find you if they want to, you know, ask you questions or chat with you or anything like that? They're more than free to like reach out to Facebook, you know, messenger. That's fine. Uh, or Snapchat, I can throw in my ch- Snapchat, like my name on Snapchat is uh, the rise of Abdul. Okay, perfect. It's all together, all lowercase. So the rise of Abdul, um, ask me whatever you want. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, like that's, that's the, pretty much the only social media I'll use though, like Snapchat. And if you want to message me on Facebook Messenger, that's good too. It's also my, just my first and last name, Abdul El Naji. If you guys know Alia, then you'll recognize my profile because she's um, in the family portrait that's on my uh, Mm -hmm. Facebook. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And also, I'll put his social media in the episode description. So if you guys want to uh, chat with him, ask him any questions uh, about the episode, you guys can feel free to. So thank you, Abud. Abud is his little nickname. (laughs) Thank you for doing this episode with me. This is instead of our daily FaceTimes. (laughs) Yeah, instead of, huh? Yeah. (laughs) Do you you want a FaceTime too after this? (laughs) No, no, I think I've seen you enough today. (laughs) Oh my God, wow. (laughs) So, all right, thank you. I hope you guys enjoyed chatting with Abdullah and thank you again for being here. Thank you for having me. All right, guys. So that is going to complete this episode. I really hope you guys had a good time and enjoyed chatting with my brother. He has such an inspiring story. I'm so proud of him and he is so hilarious. So I hope you guys got to get a little taste of that too. If you guys would like to follow him, his Snapchat is at the rise of Abdul and his Facebook is Abdullah El Naji and I will put those in the episode description if you guys would like to message him with any questions you guys have or anything like that. And with that, I thank you for making this podcast a part of your day.
wherever you are.